0: Let us pray together. Dear Father, thank you for bringing us here today in worship and praise. Open our hearts, open our minds, that we might hear and understand your word for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Please be seated. How many people in this room have memories of their youth and going fishing. Anybody? Those are some of my best memories with my father. When I was young, up till about 12 or 13, in the five or six years leading up to that, some of my best vacation memories with him were in a rowboat on a lake in Canada laughing and talking, bonding, fishing, maybe catching fish, maybe not catching fish, it didn't matter, that wasn't the point. Actually, sometimes it was better if we didn't catch fish. You know, I have, I have one specific memory when I was about 10 years old. You know those metal rowboats, they have metal seats that are attached, and uh, somehow 10-year-old Laura managed to hook an eel. And I don't mind telling you that tears may have flowed that day as that thing looked like a big sea snake to me and I was actually trying to climb under those metal seats. I was just petrified and my father saved the day for me. And these are, it's funny that when you read a Bible passage about disciples following Jesus, that that's what comes to mind. But warm memories of fishing. I hope you all have dear memories of fishing like I did and do. To my thinking, that's, that's the best way to fish. No expectations, just talking and laughing. And if you don't catch anything, or you can't get it in the boat for some reason, it just doesn't matter. Well, today's gospel lesson is about some fishermen. I dare say they took their fishing a tad more seriously than I ever did. In this lesson, we see Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee and he comes upon two brothers, Simon and Andrew, and he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately put down their nets and they followed him. And then a while later, he sees James and John in a boat with their father, Zebedee, and they're mending their nets, and he says, he calls out to them, and they leave their boat, they leave their father, they leave their nets, and they follow him too. One interesting aspect of this is it was kind of unheard of for a teacher or a rabbi to go around choosing followers. Usually a follower would be struck by something that a teacher would say, and they would ask if they could follow. But that wasn't the case with Jesus. Now, and in fact, if you think about the different passages we've read in the Bible, there were many times that Jesus performed a miracle, Jesus did something to help someone, and they would say, oh, teacher, may I come with you? And he'd say, no, go home. He selected his disciples. And then the other question about that is, why on earth would he choose fishermen? Is it because they, they wouldn't get discouraged or they can go out and throw out the nets all day and not catch anything and yet come back the next day and do it again? These are common people that he picked. That's who Jesus wanted. He didn't go looking for the church leaders the Jewish people who were maybe the most pious or most righteous. He went looking for people that weren't necessarily the wealthiest or the smartest or the best looking or the most popular. He wanted run-of-the-mill fishermen to carry out the most important work that the world had ever seen. He tells Andrew and Peter that if they follow him, he will make them fishers of men. They only know how to fish for fish, but Jesus is going to make them fishers of men. That's a description of Jesus' training program for them. That they are about to go through this process. They're gonna spend the next couple years following Jesus, walking with him, learning from him. In both sets of brothers, they immediately left their work to spend their lives with Jesus. You know, we we see in verse 22 about James and John walking away from their father, their boat, and their net. Being a fisherman in that society with a boat That was very respectable. That was better than middle class. Fish was a very popular staple because it was the most available meat. It was the one that most people could afford. So it was steady work. It wasn't a get-rich-quick scheme. It was steady work. It was hard work. But they were pretty, they had a good reputation in the community. And they walked away from all that. They walked away from their livelihood, their families, everything that they had going for them. If they had hobbies, they had friends, whatever they did in their lives as fishermen, whatever they pursued their entire lives up to that point, those men walked away from it to follow Jesus. Over the next couple years, we see as we read the Bible that they kind of revealed themselves to not be ideal followers. They fail repeatedly. They're proud. Sometimes they're arrogant. They're afraid. They're untrusting. They're weak. They're not there for Jesus when he needs them the most. But Jesus sees through all of that, and he understands that the transformation from fishermen to fisher of men is a process. They each had to come through some weaknesses of their own, some issues within their own hearts to prepare them to be good followers, to prepare them for use by the Lord, Maybe the Lord's been helping you overcome some weaknesses and preparing you for the work he plans to accomplish through you. Maybe you're still a work in progress. I'm pretty sure I still am. And that's okay, because in these earthly times, we aren't able to see the big picture. We see our little piece of the picture. God knows the big picture. I'll give you an example. I was reading an article this week about a war. In 1809, the Peninsula War in Spain and Napoleon had invaded Austria. There were at least 20 battles and skirmishes on record. The most famous two, uh, one was Coruna, at which Sir John Moore, the British commander-in-chief was killed, and Talavera, which established Arthur Wellesley, who later became the Duke of Wellington as an able field commander. And he was the man who later went on to defeat Napoleon at Waterloo. If there was, in fact, 10 o'clock news at that time, I'm pretty sure it would have been full of all the hot news about Napoleon's war, and about the Austrians, and about Spain, At that point, nobody was was looking at babies being born that year. I did a quick search, and the year 1809, of course there were many babies born that year, but I'm gonna name seven of them for you, names you may recognize. William Gladstone, you may not recognize, he became an English prime minister. Alfred Lord Tennyson, who became a poet and writer. Edgar Allan Poe, author. In Paris, France, the inventor of the blind alphabet, Louis Braille. In Germany, composer Felix Mendelssohn. And on the 12th of February, 1809, there were two babies born, one on either side of the Atlantic. On the British side, Charles Darwin, the scientist, the evolutionary studies. On the U.S. side, Abraham Lincoln. If Time Magazine had done a year in review for 1809, I'm pretty sure that the the cover page would have said something like, the destiny of the world is being shaped on the battlefields in Austria and Spain. Little picture. But actually history was being shaped in cribs and cradles on both sides of the Atlantic. Bigger picture. So when Jesus said to them, I will make you fishers of men, it was more than just a pun on what he found them doing. And it was more than simply calling them to follow he was inviting them into an entirely different vocation. And if the phrase fishers of men is going to have any significance for us today, it's because it may give us insights into the character required of Christ's disciples. There are three specific character traits that a fisherman had to share in order to be successful in that time period, in that culture, in that area. Adaptable, courageous, and tenacious. You needed those three things to make a living at fishing. ACT. The first character trait was adaptability. They may not have been the best educated people in the world, but they had to be able to judge the room. They had to be able to look and see what the weather was doing, what was going on there, and from that decide how they would carry out their fishing that day. Would they go after individual fish with a hook? Not unlike what I did with my dad. Would they use a cast net? that they could cast from the shore, such that Andrew and Simon Peter were doing? Or would they use a dragnet? Those were heavier, but you had to be able to go out in the boat for those. Those were dropped over the side of the boat and then dragged behind the boat. They had floats on the top and weights on the bottom. You needed the expertise to know the tools that were appropriate for the, for the task that day. The Second character trait was courage. The Sea of Galilee, is a big lake, and it is completely surrounded by mountains, so it's down in a valley. As a result of that, the weather is unstable and unpredictable, And it's not unusual for a beautiful day to be interrupted by a a dangerous storm forming out of nowhere and rolling through. They had to understand that. They had to learn to work with that. Finally, the last word I gave you was tenacious. What that means is they had to have patience. In other words, they couldn't afford to give up if the fish didn't swim right into their nets. They would often be out all night long fishing and catch nothing. But they couldn't quit when that happened. They had to be right out there the next day doing the same thing all over again. It's what they did. There it is, adaptable, courageous, and tenacious. So how can these attributes apply to us today? We aren't fishermen, but we're still called to be fishers, to share about God and the good news of Jesus Christ. We are called to be adaptable, to read the room, to appropriately share his word and his love in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. We're called to be courageous, to stand firm, in the face of opposition or even hatred, and to trust in the word of God and the love of God. And finally, we are called to be tenacious or patient. Too often, we are tempted to give up too quickly, like to give up praying for people if we don't see results quick enough. This is a real challenge for us today. Did you ever read a Bible passage about like Paul being in jail and writing a letter and sending it with someone? Yeah, that didn't get overnight delivery. Didn't happen. But today, you got a message for someone, you give them a quick chat. You're driving down the road, you get hungry, there's fast food. Up, oh, you don't have money, there's the ATM. We don't have to worry about anybody else's hours, we just keep on moving forward. You don't have time to stop, you need to get home, but you need these things delivered tomorrow, Amazon Prime, overnight free delivery. Walmart delivers, grocery stores deliver. We are so used to having everything at our fingertips. we may or may not see answers to our prayers. That doesn't mean they aren't being heard or that they won't be answered. They may be answered tomorrow or next week or next month or maybe two or three generations from now, maybe not even in our lifetime, but in God's time. God sees the big picture. We don't, we can't. But we do know that without the power of the Holy Spirit left to our own devices, we can accomplish nothing that lasts. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday in the Anglican Church. As with these four fishermen, God is showing us that he is not seeking out just the best and the brightest. He meets us where we are, wherever that is. And he knows our hearts. He knows our hearts better than we know our hearts. And he can use anybody, anybody, for his purposes, whether they are very young or whether they are elderly, whether they are healthy and strong or whether they are physically disabled, mentally disabled, sick or weakened or vulnerable in any way. God doesn't see our shell. God sees our hearts. All of life is precious to him. All of life is precious to him. And he is calling out to each one of us. He wants to meet us. He wants us to follow. And he is calling out to us all we need to do is answer that call let's pray together dear father thank you for this sanctity sunday when we honor all of life lord you know our hearts you know we're here in worship and in praise We pray that you will guide us, guide our thoughts, guide our actions, guide our plans. Help us to become more suitable, to be excellent followers. Bring us with you, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.